The following resource is by CBC Mokopani. For more resources like this, check out our website at www.christbaptistmokopani.com. Happy is the man, or in the King James it says, Blessed is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path of sinners, or join a group of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams of water, that bears its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not survive the judgment, and sinners will not be in the community of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Okay. So I've got lots of notes here. But I don't need those. Good. Um, the psalm starts off... Well, the, this particular psalm is like the window to the book of Psalms. It's like the porch of a beautiful building. When you look at this psalm, it gives you a preview of what lies inside the book of Psalms. And the one thing that we should note is that The book of Psalms starts not with praise or the theme of worship or a song of essence, but it starts with a sermon. And scattered throughout the Psalms, you'll find that there are sermons in the book of Psalms that bring us back to what God requires of us as his people. Amen. So immediately we are challenged with a sermon about the way that we should live our lives and the things that we should look out for. And, and it starts with how happy is the man. But what I've read is that it actually means blessing of blessings is the man. That there's a great blessing if we live the way that God wants us to live. And as we look through the psalm, we will see that a godly man is truly separated from the world. We'll see that he is saturated with the word. He is situated by the waters, and he is segregated from the wicked. Amen. And that's the message of this song. And so it starts immediately with, does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And when we look at this, we'll see that there is a progression of posture. There is... Something that takes place in a person's heart 
when he does not follow the advice of God. Because he says, um, happy is the man who does not follow the, the path of sinners. And in the King James it says, he does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And you need to realize that if you keep walking, it's like, say for instance, you take a bicycle. And as long as the bicycle is moving, it stands upright. But as soon as it comes to a halt, it falls over. And every step that we take as a person is a near fall, is a near stumble. So we need to keep walking. And the, as long as we are walking, and not standing still, we're moving in a direction that God wants us to move in. But as soon as we stand still, we begin to take notice of the things that take place around us. So the advice in the psalm is that we walk, not in the counsel of the ungodly, but that we keep walking and we keep our focus and we keep our eyes on God. Amen. And we don't take our eyes off the Lord. Because many times in the book of Proverbs it says, I noticed a young man that was standing in the way of the prostitute. He, was, he stood at her gate and he was staring in. Like he could have been walking past and if he had carried on walking there would have been no problem. But the problem with us as people is, is that we stop and we allow the, the, the allure of worldliness to pull us in. And so the young man went in to this boisterous woman and as we know, it was, a, it was not the way that he should have, should have found himself. He shouldn't have been in that situation. But he stopped walking. And he began to take notice of things that he shouldn't take notice of. And sometimes we as Christians, we do that. We stop walking. We sit. We, uh, and we take notice of things that catch our attention. And there's many things. The Bible talks about the pleasures of sin. And sin is pleasurable. But it's not good for our spiritual walk. It's not good for us as children of God. Amen. And so, we need to be careful of this progression because the progression of sin is like a spiral it's always downward it doesn't take you up but it always drags you down and so we need to keep moving so that we have momentum to give us victory uh, over temptation amen and as long as we are growing we have victory and the moment I stop, I lose the momentum that carries me to victory. 
So, so that the man of God or the woman of God lives a guarded life. Amen. We need to be constantly aware of the things that are around us. We need to be constantly aware of what's happening in the, in, uh, on the news, um, on TV, and the things that, that influence us daily in a great way. And many times we, 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 we tend to allow the spirit of this world to influence us. And when we allow the spirit of this world to influence us, then sometimes we as Christians can be found to be standing in the wrong way. Amen. I think often when I think about this psalm, I think about Lot. And in Peter it says that he, although he was righteous, he was vexed by the things that he saw around him. And in Genesis 13, we, we see Lot and Abraham, their flocks had become too much. They had become so great that their herdsmen had started to quarrel. And Abraham, being a man of God, said to Lot, let's not quarrel amongst us, but let's separate. So Lot, instead of giving Abraham the choice, he made the choice. And he looked down the Jordan Valley, and he saw all the pasture, and he saw how wonderful it was, and he chose the Jordan Valley. And so he took his flocks and he went, and what's significant says that he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And we must be careful in our lives where we pitch our, our lives, where we cast our eyes. Because every morning he would get up and guess what he would see? He would see Sodom. And Sodom was a wicked city. And because he pitched his tent towards Sodom and every morning when he woke up and he climbed out the door, he looked at Sodom and he probably wondered, I wonder what's happening in Sodom. And we all know the end of the story. He ended up in Sodom. He became a leader in Sodom because it says that when the angels arrived that he was sitting in the gate. And that's normally where leaders sat in Old Testament times and they sorted out issues amongst the people. And so there he was and so he welcomed these people into his home. But the influence of the city on his life was so incredibly strong and he had forgotten all the lessons that he had learned from the call of Abraham, of moving with Abraham, of seeing God's blessing on Abraham and the blessing on him because he walked with Abraham. You see that? And so it's really important for us to realize that we should not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners because that's what he did. 
He pitched towards Sodom, and the Bible says that Sodom was extremely wicked. And let's face it, when I listen to some of the government policy, when I listen to all the stuff about homosexuals and LGBTQ and all of these things, and that they're trying to um, bring a, some new legislation in that would hinder us, and if I preach from the pulpit about these things and you go and speak about it, both of us can be prosecuted. Are you with me? And there's just things out there that influence us and we allow it to influence us and we need to be careful. So we don't want to stand in the advice or in the way of the wicked or take the path of sinners because the spiral is always downwards. And if we allow too much worldliness to influence our thinking. So often I walk into a pastor's house and the TV's blurring or the radio's on and it's just worldly music. Worldly music all the time. And if you, in some of the communities that you go in, the music isn't that edifying at all. And the kids are all dancing to it and they're singing along. And they just sit there for hours just watching TV. And I'm going, gee, man. You know what I mean? These are your kids. That you're just allowing to drink in whatever's coming at them from the TV. You know? And so we really do need to be careful. Because eventually we'll be sitting with a group of people that will deny the word of God in certain areas. There's some areas, some places that where we need to speak up, we're just quiet. And so we're sitting in the seat of scoffers because we've become ashamed. I remember being at a Baptist Union uh, meeting many years ago and this one girl stood up in the assembly and she said, I'm ashamed of us Baptists because you are so biblical and that you're not giving the people um, acceptance out in the world. How oh, we love them, but we don't accept their ways. And she was trying to get us to So we all just stood up and said, ah, sit down, be quiet. We don't want to hear what you have to say. Because she had been so influenced by somebody in the church, by some liberal or by some person that had just woodwinked her mind. And so she was basically trying to get us to join her in the seat of scoffers, where we stand. I was, um, I was, I get this post reform thing that MacArthur and Washer put out on my posts. And the other guy says, well, we can't judge. So he was an ex-pastor. He's no longer a pastor. He left the ministry. But he says, well, the Bible says we can't judge. So I thought, well, I said, read a little bit further in the scriptures. You'll find out. You can judge. I mean, if I take the beam out of my own eye, I can take the splinter out of your, out of your eye. 
I can tell you what's wrong with you if I take the beam out of my own eye. Jesus said that we need to judge, we can judge righteously, righteous judgment. So we stand with the Word of God. The Bible says that if we're not obeying the Word of God, we already stand in the judgment. And it's my job to tell people that. Are you with me? So don't ever let anybody tell you that you can't judge. Because it's not true. So, you know, we don't want to sit there in the seat of the scoffers. And the way out of this sort of downward progression And this progression of places, this progression of personality that I've been talking about. Um, is given in verse 2. It says, instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. That's, that's the, the antidote to keeping our way right with God. To keeping our way pure with God is to think about the Word of God. You mean like we always like talk about that thing of what would Jesus do in this situation? Well, ask yourself, what would Jesus do? He rebuked the Pharisees. That's what he would do. He told people to go and sin no more. That's what he would do. He would tell people to repent. That's what he would do, isn't it? And so, the Bible says that we need to focus on what's good. In Philippians 4, verse 8, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is any praise, dwell on these things. Amen. That's what we meditate on. We meditate on the Word of God. We meditate on all these wonderful things. And what will that do for us? It will keep us in the way. It will keep us growing. But when we take our eyes off God, you know, we have many issues in the country and if we just keep our eyes on the issues we become negative we think of what one race is doing and what another race is doing or not doing and depending on what perspective you're coming from it's going to determine your outlook well if you keep doing that it's going to influence you negatively you need to repent isn't it and so, I want to encourage you is to take the side of Scripture and meditate and keep your mind focused on the things of God. So, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not do these things. And it gives us a list of things that, that uh, not to do and where not to... Uh, Receive our counsel. 
and it also indicates a progression of places, places where we shouldn't be, that would influence us negatively. And there's a progression of personality because whatever we allow in will affect us. And the way we think and the way we talk and the way we act and so on. And so there's a little ditty that says, be careful of the counsel you keep, the company you linger in, and the comedy you laugh at. Well, there's some real funny jokes out there, but they're not good jokes. Do you know what I mean? And they sure tickle the flesh. I know. <laughs> hey, but, you know, we have to just walk away. I remember when I was mining, we had this old elder from the Dutch Reformed Church. But this guy was, like, really shocking. He would tell the worst jokes... And I would never laugh at him. So he got real angry at me, you know. Called me self-righteous. I thought, well, I'm righteous, yeah. <laughs> Who cares what you think, but... And, and so on. And so he would, like, just, like, go at me because I wouldn't laugh at his dirty jokes. Carry on. Would like the other guys. So the next day I brought him a list of scriptures. I said, you're an elder in the church. I said, you better read these scriptures. This should help you write. Yo, he was mad at me. <laughs> I was still a bit unsanctified. So he grabbed my thumb like this and started to squeeze. And it was very painful. Eventually I looked at him and I said, I think you better let go now. <laughs> anyway, I would have sanctified him. <laughs> Excuse that. But I, I haven't done that in a very long time. <laughs> but he really had my, me going. I'd just come to the Lord, you know. So I was still controlling my temper back in the day. Anyway, so... So we move to verse 2 and it says, But his delight. So this is a transitioning word and saying it's the opposite of what's just been talked about. So, this is what we do to stay in the way. His delight. Do you love the Word of God? Do you delight in the Word of God? Do you delight in Jesus, really? I mean, I delight in chocolate. Just love it. Do you know what I mean? It brings a smile to my lips. It brings those pheromones going and all of that stuff. What does Jesus do for you? Do, you? do you really delight in Him? Is He the joy of your life? You know, when you think about certain things, do you really love Him? But so, delight is a strong word. Instead, His delight is in the Lord's instruction. I mean, sometimes the Lord's instruction is a bit hectic. I mean, especially when we're confronting things in our own life. And it's hard because our flesh has gotten used to a certain way of doing things, of thinking about things. And so the word comes and it says, don't do that. Do this. And it's like, hey, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. I mean, let's be real. We're all human here. There's certain things like when somebody upsets me. 
It's like sometimes I want to stick it to it. You know the feeling? You don't? It's a little more spiritual than I am. Maybe I should go sit down. You know? Anyway. So, but we need to find our delight in the Lord's instruction and learn to meditate on it day and night. We can't be like the man James talks about who hears the word of God as if looking in a mirror when he walks away he forgets. So when we meditate, it means that we think much about the meaning and how that would affect me as a person in my own life, right? Amen. So we need to think about God's word in every situation that we find ourselves in. And it just comes back to that thing, what would Jesus do? What would Paul have done? What would Paul have said about this? What would Peter have said about this? I mean, I read a book by a guy in Hawaii, and I really loved it, and he, and he said, when I come to Scripture, I come to friends in the Bible. There's David, a friend. There's Jeremiah, a friend. There's Paul, a friend. And all of these guys I meet with in the Scripture, and I see how God dealt with them. And they speak to me from the scripture about their lives and about what happened in their lives when they did good and when they did bad and how God fixed them and corrected them and worked in their lives. But we need to see the Bible as a place full of friends. And on top of it, we have the Holy Spirit who helps us to interpret the scripture in our daily lives. And so... It's so important that we learn to meditate on the Word of God. Think deeply about the Word of God. That we take the Word with us in the day. I found often I read a scripture in the morning and it warns me about something in, say, Proverbs, and I go and do the exact opposite. And then I think back on that scripture and says, Man, God already warned me this morning about this attitude or what could likely happen. But it only happens when you have your nose in the Bible, right? If you don't read the Bible, the instruction is not so good. So love the Word of God, delight in God's instruction, right? Okay. And then it gives us the benefits. of being uh, meditating on God's word it tells us what we will become like amen I remember um, it says he is like a tree planted beside streams of water the other word here used is like canals and so if you look at the an analogy of a canal it's like taking a tree and growing it next to water. It's, it's, it's a purposeful thing. It's like when we give our lives to God. He puts us in a position that we can grow. Right? Because He is the living water. I remember hearing a story about... Um, uh, in Switzerland, I heard that up on the up on the Alps there, 
the trees grow very tall and sometimes when the wind is extremely strong it blows the trees over and the reason for that is because of there's, there's enough moisture uh, in the in the soil that the roots don't have to go deep to remain and, and and to remain strong and to grow strong but they along the surface and when the wind comes it just pushes them over and sometimes we like that we have a superficial kind of like walk with God and when the things come and there's trouble at work and there's problems at home and there's financial issues these things just like it's like a strong wind it just pushes us over and it's like really hard to get up but but God puts us deliberately in a place where we can have sustenance and we find that in prayer we find that in the Bible as long as we spend time in it. so he's like a tree planted beside streams of water and if you think of another analogy which often comes up in scripture if you plant a tree you, um, even in Namibia or even in drier parts of our country you'll see all the trees next to the riverbed even if the riverbed is dry they have green leaves even often in the winter because the, they have learned that to survive they need to grow their roots down deep where they can get to the water and often our lives are like a wilderness we live in a wilderness in this world and if we don't drive our roots down deeply into the soil of God's Word into into prayer and into God's love and understanding his character understanding his promises and that sort of a thing then we will struggle and the thing is it promises that if we do this that we will bear seed as uh, fruit in our season in its season amen it's like a tree it doesn't have fruit all the time although we have the fruit of the Holy Spirit within us but but we will bear fruit and that fruit will come naturally a tree doesn't go ah, I need to make apples ah, I need to make pears it just happens right because of the sustenance that's coming through the roots up the stem into the branches and then it bears fruit right just like that so you don't have to force yourself to bear fruit it will come naturally if you situate it in the right place amen and if we look again at this whole analogy of the of the tree planted by streams of water we see the stability of the godly man amen like a tree when it's really established and it's strong and I've often watched certain trees in a strong wind in a storm and the way that they bend it's a wonderful thing to see because it almost looks like they want to break and then they just come back and they just wave in the wind and that's how God intends us to be able to handle the pressures of life 
so that we remain strong. But depends where you planted your roots. And so we will bear the fruit in our season. We'll be stable. Um, and because of we planted by the water, there is the supply of the godly man. Amen. So we have refreshment. I mean, so often I've I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel real beaten down. Tired, exhausted. And then I think of Psalm 40 that talks about the young men will uh, um, the young men will uh, will rise as eagles on eagles' wings and they will become strong and I go and I get down on my knees and I say, God, I am finished. Help me. And I spend maybe, I don't know, some minutes, sometimes it's been a few hours, depending on the pressure. And then I get up and I'm fine. Don't know why. Can't explain it. But I'm fine. Because his word says so. Are you with me? But not many people are willing to spend enough time with God to experience that strength. I was in America and, and I had a major disappointment before I left. And it sort of like almost had me wanting to weep constantly. Just like. And I was trying to minister and I was trying to preach and I was trying to talk to people about the mission and about what we're doing, and I just felt like totally troubled. And I said to a friend, I said, I want to go to your house this afternoon. Is anybody there? And there was nobody there. The whole, from about 12 o'clock until about 5 o'clock. I spent about four hours with God. And when I'd finished, I was refreshed and strengthened and that thing was over. So somewhere in my heart there was a battle that was won. In the presence of God. And, and I was refreshed. And so I want to encourage you that time with God is really worthwhile. I can't explain it. But I found it to be so. And then it says, and whose leaf does not wither. Amen. I mean, yeah. often you, you'll see a, um, trees that have too little water, the first thing that happens, the, the leaves begin to wither. And they begin to dry up and they begin to fall off. And I guess that can happen to us spiritually if we don't allow God to keep refreshing us and to keep our roots deep down in the Lord. We can remain vibrant as Christians. And we can remain strong. And then it goes on to say, whatever he does prospers. I guess this is more... Sometimes uh, sometimes it's materially and sometimes 
it really affects your work uh, place where you prosper and you really do well in life but so often it's about how well you do spiritually amen because that becomes obvious to all when people look at your life they'll say man this guy is really prospering because it's not about money it's about that relationship with God amen and so I found that I've watched people's lives and I've seen them prosper spiritually and sometimes I've seen them prosper materially and in many other ways and it's just a wonderful thing to watch somebody who's really deeply rooted in God and then it goes on to say but the wicked are not like this instead they are like chaff which the wind blows away have you ever picked up chaff or when you've husked something and you throw it up in the end it just it has no substance it's just it has it's just useless and that's how the wicked are therefore the wicked will not survive the judgment or sinners will not be in the community of the righteous I think that speaks for itself when we look at the world today and when people stand before God one day they will not survive the judgment they will get the penalty of their of their of their lifestyle and what they've been doing and just one for us as Christians and sinners will not be in the community of the righteous like often I read about Martin Lloyd-Jones and he talks about people that are just in the church and not really serving the Lord they're just doing their own thing but we want to be there and then it says something really beautiful as an encouragement for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous and that's just amazing that the Lord is watching over you all the time Amen. In Chronicles it says, The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth to see whose heart is fully His. Amen. He's watching over you. That He can undertake for you in your every need. And, your, and to help you and to strengthen you. Um, so we really need to be aware of that. I like uh, Brother Lawrence. Uh, he was a... a not a nun, um, a monk. And he, and he said that we need to practice the presence of God and just be aware of God's presence with us all the time. Like I get so... Like when people say my prayers are hitting the roof. No, they're not. It just doesn't happen. He is listening. He is watching over you. Are you with me? He is listening. We must just believe that. We must practice the presence of God because He is with us all the time, even in those difficult times. And then it ends on a sad note for the wicked and it says their way leads to ruin. Amen. And as I was reading this and, and going through this, 
I was taken to Psalm 73. And sometimes when we take our eyes off God, and I think the psalmist here did that, he says, God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart, but as for me, my feet almost slipped. My steps nearly went astray. So he was struggling. He was like looking at life, looking at the wicked and the unrighteous, seeing how well it was going with them, and, and, and almost became a stumbling block to him. Because he was struggling, or they were struggling. They have an easy time until they die. And their bodies are well fed. They are not in trouble like others. They are not afflicted like most people. Sometimes when we look at the world, it seems as if everything's going right with them. You know? Like our politicians. Going right with them. Therefore, pride is their necklace and violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge out from fatness. Their imaginations of their hearts run wild. They mock and they speak maliciously. They arrogantly threaten oppression. They set their mouths against heaven and their tongues strut across the earth. Therefore his people turn to them and drink in their overflowing waters. But there's a warning that we can turn to the wrong things. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High know anything? Look at them, the wicked. They are always at ease. They increase their wealth. Did I not purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? For I am afflicted all day long and punished every morning. Oh boy, that's when you really hit the pit. Uh, for I am afflicted all day long and punished every morning. If indeed I decided to say these things aloud, I would have betrayed your people. Sometimes when we go through difficulties, we must just keep quiet. And then he says, when I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless. Until I entered God's sanctuary. Amen. There is no place like the presence of God in our lives. He is with us. He's watching over us. He loves us. And he will give us the insight and understanding we need to be able to cope effectively with this life. Let's pray. Now, Father, we love you. Thank you for the encouragement of your word that you speak to us and that we can be aware of your watch care and that you bless us, Lord. So help us not to walk in the way of the ungodly or stand in the path of sinners or to ever sit in the seat of scoffers. But let our delight be in your instruction and in the meditation of your word, Lord. So we ask you to bless us in this week as we go out and to encourage us. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.